Hey everybody and welcome to our newest project for first responder wellness, No One Fights Alone, an in-depth conversation about mental health and addiction in the first responder space. We're joined by your hosts, Austin Pedersen and Josh Adams. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it is episode number 10. We've had, I can't believe we've had 10 episodes. Magical. Yeah, right? I mean, we've had some pretty cool... Had some pretty cool guests on. Um, what was your favorite episode? You know what? I think that they've all been uh, really on point. My favorite ones are the ones where it's not just, no offense, man, but not just me and you talking. Yeah. Kind I don't of like, like we're going to do today, but whatever. But yeah, it's nice to bring in that third, third and fourth perspective sometimes and be like, and just wrap that way because. I mean, we know each other well. We know kind of our things, but it's cool to get that. Okay, here's somebody else's experiences. What happened to them? What's their journey been like? I've really enjoyed getting that. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I, I mean, part of it is I just don't like you. Well, I don't like you either. But yeah, so cool. having to spend, you know, 45 minutes in a little cramped room together is just not my ideal of a, a wonderful Friday. Yeah. Yeah, but... uh yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's been it's been cool to have the Brad Shepherds and the Nick Turkoviches and um Deer Hollow mm-hmm. I and mean, all of those I thought were really good episodes. I mean I hate hearing myself talk. Yeah, it's horrible. You don't listen to them, do you? I listened to about three quarters of the first one and I couldn't handle listening to myself. Yeah. So, that's yeah. that's what I thought. See you're, you don't have to do the editing mm-hmm. portion, so I have to hear myself talk for, like, four hours and then, like, repeat the same... Oh, it's terrible. Think how your girlfriend feels. I feel sorry for her. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. To hear this just all day long mm-hmm. would be terrible. You're lucky you're a divorced man, I think. Well, there you go. My one victory in life. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it has been three weeks since we filmed yeah. or recorded, I guess. Uh, what, what have you been up to? You know, not a whole lot. A lot of work. Um, hanging out with my kids. And work's been quite busy the last several weeks. We had a... Uh, we had our own dispatch department, and we actually ended up merging it with another uh, comparatively sized agency. Uh Staffing issues and stuff like that, uh, you know, dispatchers and so forth. They have the, they have the most technical and I think challenging job in public safety, fire and police, and trying to keep them staffed. Where it's like, hey, here's your room you're gonna sit in. We we joke about sitting here forty five minutes. Yeah, you know, you get dispatchers that spend twelve hours or more, you know, in a room with the same people, phones radios everything's going non-stop and the burnout level is very high and you know the 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 compensation and stuff is very challenging so one of what we did proactively was like hey they're dealing with the same things we are if we combine forces it will be we can actually invest more capital in our employees and their development wages etc and have more employees working together. So, you know, and then, excuse me, our agencies share a lot of other assets already. You know, we, we, our SWAT teams combined, our um, fire departments help each other out quite a bit. 
were on some different task forces and so forth. Sorry, I kicked your garbage can. But uh, so going through that whole process of merging those together, it's been about a year and a half, and it finally went into effect this past week. But the build-up to that has been uh, just a lot of bandwidth, but also emotional, where it's like, it feels like we're... I know how they felt. I think I know how they felt, but I know how I felt where, hey, you know, these this this dispatch department has been answering the phone for emergencies in my community for decades, and now it's gone. And those employees are physically moved to the other facility, which is brand new and beautiful and state-of-the-art. But, uh, you know, being the guy that pulled that trigger um, felt a little heavy. And the disappointment that I know that a lot of people felt like, where it's like, hey, we're glad this is happening, but we're not happy about it. We know it's for the best, we're just not happy. And, I mean, that, and then we had a nice little shootout last week. Yeah, I heard and, about that. Uh, someone, someone barricaded themselves yeah, in. you know, I mean, one of those things where, you know, what the hell, it's three in the morning, let's get in a fight with the family and when the cops show up let's start shooting at them so yeah it took i think it was about six hours it took us to resolve it with swat and everything like that but it turned out well we had i had let's see four of my officers in total were involved in you know shots fired and so forth so they're on leave right now and uh i feel it's been rough because some of them i mean it's for two of them it's their second shooting in less than a year so, um, you know, thinking about them and making sure they're okay, the integrity of the case, all that kind of stuff. It's been, it's been a nice, busy couple of weeks. So for, for that, do you like get woken out of a dead sleep to yeah come, come figure this out right now? Yeah. Sorry. I had to sit up straight. My back was hurting. Uh, yeah. So I think. I can't remember exactly what time it's it, like the whole situation jumped off, but you know, they tried dealing with the guy before anybody started shooting for quite a while. And then, you know, I get that page admin page, a, you know, shots fired and everything like that. So it's, you know, drag my ass out of bed and go deal with it as well as the other administration and bringing that SWAT team and everything like that and trying to get it handled the best we can. And, you know, and then, the sun comes up and the neighborhood wakes up and everybody's kind of like the hell's going on out here, you know, and trying to get kids to school and everything like that. And it's like, here we are with your street blocked off and everything like that. And, you know, it's, it's necessary. We just, I just, sometimes you wish, man, I wish we could just try and take care of these things really fast, be cleaned up and be out of here. So it's not disruptive to the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I live in the town that you work in and I, like generally speaking, it was the talk of the neighborhood for the day, but I feel like it was a pretty positive response from the community on what you guys did. Or were you seeing some backlash? No, actually, community-wise, nothing. I mean, it. They, our uh, our officers did an exceptional job um, with safety practices, and I mean, in a nutshell, we ended up. There were three different volleys, so he came out. He he stuck a got out the door, essentially started shooting at our officers, you know, surprise. 
and then they continue and then they exchange gunfire. And then a few minutes later after they, they've been negotiating with him, trying to talk him into surrendering, he does it again. Um, and he got hit a couple of times, just nothing super serious. And then, uh, you know, about two hours later went with, uh, you know, those officers pulled back SWAT team deployed on the house. You know, they're up there with, you know, armored cars and all that good stuff. He comes out and does it. He does it again with them. So we had, you know, three different exchanges of gunfire with this guy's basically is, you know, just a arm and so forth. But, you know, I was, I was very pleased to take, Hey, this guy three times tries to either kill us or be killed. And he was unsuccessful at both of those things three yeah. times. That's, so. I mean, I feel like that means you guys handled it correctly. Hey, with with everything going on, I mean, I think Utah definitely is a little bit more police friendly, probably. Oh, I think so. I think yeah. we've got great people in Utah. Yeah, and I mean, my neighbor next door. Uh, if you asked her, it'd be something a little different. But from a general standpoint, you know, our you, overall customer satisfaction rating. Yeah. Well, you know, the reason she's mad at you guys is because uh. Just down the street, there's too many trailers parked. Well, yeah, I mean... You know, she can't get through. And uh, too many people living in one home or, you know... Big neighborhood issues. And I get those things, and I get that they're, they're quality of life issues along those lines, but they're not safety issues. And so trying to balance everything that we were charged with handling, you know, it can be... You know, if that's the, you know, part of what you'd want, a woman like that to understand is, Hey, we're glad that that's the worst thing happening in your yeah. world. You know, we have to take that as well. Maybe that's part of our success then is, Hey, if you have one thing you need to report to the cops, it's my neighbor has too many trailers. Yeah. Well, and when she was, uh, saying that to me, I said, yeah, but, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your garage remained open for the last three days. And is anything missing? Yeah. Where's your golf clubs? Yeah. yeah. Still and in your, garage. your, your husband's got, Two motorcycles and a massive gun safe down there. Mm-hmm. Like, sounds like you're living pretty good if you forget to, because where I come from, where I grew up, you don't do that. Well, and there's there's neighborhoods in this town not far from here where, yeah, people don't, people can't leave anything unlocked. People can't leave anything unattended or it's gone. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we do try and focus our, obviously we are focused on where the most problems are, so to speak, but. Yeah, overall, I think we do a pretty good job with retaining the calm in the areas that are maybe neighborhoods and so forth that are doing a little better, you know, based on the people that live there and the way they interact and stuff. Yeah, but so it's interesting you go into the dispatch thing. I don't know if we've ever talked about this uh, on here, um, and we may have, but uh, I feel like dispatch is such an interesting position. Oh, it's a, it, it's almost, I look at it as, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I was, I had a little, a couple of different meetings through, through everything. And the, uh, the second to the last meeting I had was with kind of the lead dispatchers. So the group that's, that are the first line supervisors in there. And, you know, I, I, I was talking to him about some stuff and trying to, you know, answer questions and this and that. But I mean, one of the things that came out of me that I expressed to him was, was like, Hey, you could come into my office and you could assume my job 
and be more successful than if I went into your dispatch center and tried to do your job. Because you've got 10 screens in front of your face, a headset on, I don't know how many keyboards and mice and stuff are sitting around on this in this workstation you have. But it's like, there's a lot going on there. And you're answering a phone in one ear, and you're talking to a fire truck on in over here. And it's like, things are chaotic, yet very, very organized. And you're, and, and just the pressure of, hey, you know, I can get called to a scene, like as a police officer, you know, if they get, if they respond to a scene, they can see and hear and, uh, and, uh, you know, figure out what's going on, ask questions, separate people, whatever, try and bring the chaos and calm level down. Uh, call comes into that 911 center and it's like, you know, it's, we need you. And so from that point forward, it's like, where are you? What's going on? What are the, th- what are the potential threats to my, to my officers, to our firefighters, to the general public, what is going on? And so it's this Q and a, and trying to keep that person focused to answer questions where they're probably calling about something that they needed help with five minutes ago. Not now, you know, now it's critical where they could have used the help best five minutes ago. And so, you know, we're magically trying to, it's almost like our dispatchers are trying to make up for lost time in a criminal episode, you know, get the right people, the right assets, everything like that. Not to mention the fact that when there's language barriers and stuff like that, where it's like, now I got to field that thing in a language I don't even speak, you know, using, and we've got some cool technology that helps with that stuff. But even still, it's like, there's, there's more lag time built into that or, Hey, I've been in an accident. Where are you? I don't know. You know, and you know, where like most places it's like, okay, well, we're our, we're the, you know, more metropolitan police department, but you've also got, we've got outlying areas that are, it's the sheriff's department responsibility. We've got an interstate that's the highway patrols. So it's like, where are you to send the right assets? Solid point. You know, and stuff. So it's like, yeah, yeah. The burnout, the, the learning curve is extremely hard. And then the retention piece is really very hard because of how demanding it is, you know, um, and I don't know how, you know, that's one of our, one of our hopes with when doing the merge thing we did is, Hey, can we, can we strengthen two, two strong ones to be invincible is what, what we're hoping to accomplish because separate, I felt very much, I was grinding these people to a nub, you know, it's like, Hey, if we do believe in wellness, if we do believe in this stuff, what's the practical application for our dispatchers? If we're telling our officers, Hey, talk to each other and here's peer support and here's therapy and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, dispatchers, you have that stuff too, but oh shit, you can't take any time off because we barely have enough of you to keep the place running. They're the uh, wicked stepchild of, of first response. Yeah. I mean, do you have an idea of like numbers uh, on like how many calls they get a month or a day or a week or anything like that? And how many people are on at any given time? So I don't have them on the top of my head, um, but I do get I get a report published every every month on those things. But it's so ours, for example, our dispatch department was the ideal model 
would we we would have 24 full time and then a handful that were part time um we had a couple of a handful part time and we were down to 12 full time oh shit so 50% yeah but this is again this is not something where it's like hey you know we're having a hard time with this isn't a restaurant where we can hang a sign in front pardon our pardon our slow service we're struggling with manpower and all that kind of stuff it's like no the the phone's going to keep ringing and so we're basically saying hey keep answering the calls we're happy to pay you all the overtime but at the same time that's time where you're away from i mean the the you know probably four-fifths of 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 our dispatchers were women who have families and children and private lives social lives a bed they would like to sleep in sometimes you know things like that and it's like hey we'll pay all we'll, we'll keep paying you money but it's not doing you any good yeah you know and you know that that's where i feel like we were losing a lot of them over time was it's like hey the money doesn't the money and the service together are not enough to take me away from having anything else in my existence i mean the fucking stress yeah i mean that's that's the one thing we've treated quite a few um over the years and I mean, the constant feedback, which I never thought of uh, until I started working with first responders, was the lack of the what happened, right? Like, yeah. what happened on that There's call. no closure in a dispatch yeah, center. Closure. It's like, thank you. That's I dispatched my the assets, Yeah, but, you know, and we tried to circle back to that. It's like, hey, you know, trying to have dispatchers... Uh, for instance, some of the positives that we've done, I feel like, is, hey, we now have in our critical incident stress debriefs and so forth, we have our dispatchers there, too. We count them as included parties. So, like, that situation I had last week, well, the dispatchers that are on, they were part of the clinical debrief we had on, I think they did it on Sunday. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, versus basically being indifferent to... How do they feel about it? And where's their level of closure? Because one of the biggest problems we have, even with our own, with with people out on the street, where do they get closure? You know, I, I struggled a lot of my issues had to do with, you know, all of these situations and never finding closure. Yeah. And so for them, it's particularly that way because, you know, they never even saw, they don't see the scene. They don't, they don't know if they did it right or wrong, you know. And, and thankfully, overwhelmingly, they do things amazingly well all the time. And they, and <laughs> they nitpick themselves to death. Of too. course. You know, they're, they are all very um, perfection-based. And, and then systemically, we have quality assurance stuff that goes on, on and on and on all the time where it's like, hey, they're, they're auditing calls and being like, okay, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? What can we do different? Nonstop. You know, and it's like everybody loves a little bit of feedback, but they feedback the hell out of each other out of necessity because there's so much learning and, and you know, trying to take their intuitive abilities and make them actual working skills. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a different it's a different type of stress. Think about, you know, like people's lives are on the line 100% there. You know, uh, I think it's different than, you know, the the police side just in this sense of like you could do a traffic stop right well mm -hmm. the majority of the time they're getting the call when someone is dying mm -hmm. there's been an accident 
or there's some type of thing going on that people are freaking out mm-hmm. about, right? And yeah. so, like, just the, the amount of stress that they are under to... And hearing that all day long. I mean, like, secondary trauma is a, is so, so serious in, oh, yeah. in that position. Like, I don't know how these people stay sane. Yeah, yeah, you know, and... And so it's all, it's all audio, Yeah, you know, and, and so they're, you know, sometimes, and I'm not, obviously I'm not a psychologist, but I I feel like one of the saving graces that sometimes is beneficial to police officers or firefighters is sometimes what they're being sent to isn't as bad as what they thought they were going to. Um, But for a dispatcher, it's always that bad. And, And it can be, you know... You have some 75-year-old woman calling 911 hysterical because her 75-year-old husband just fell down and she thinks he's dead. Yeah. And he fell off the toilet. And he needs help getting up. Okay? But it was this hysteric thing. So they answer, you know, they're answering this 911 broken arrow call when in reality you get there and it's like, he fell down. Big deal. We're fine. There, but they had to, they had to sort through everything, you know, the end of this woman's world, which in reality was nothing. And, but, and to go back to something you mentioned, you know, it's, Hey, we're making a traffic stop. Well, at the end of the day, yeah, they're answering those phone calls, but they're also making that traffic stop with it because we're on our radio. Hey, we're traffic stop XYZ location. Here's the license plate, everything like that. And so they're trying to get all that in, stuff into the computer, why they may be on a phone call. And, and stuff like that. We'd have no, we don't know what they're doing. And so they're doing, they're split two or three ways often, you know, doing that job. And then we'll, and guilty of it too. It's like, then you'd look on your computer screen when you get sitting in your car and it's like, that's not where I'm at. Yeah. You know, they missed, they missed the address by a digit. And, and so you got these prick calls, like cops, like what the hell, you know, yeah. that's not where I'm at, you know? And it's yeah. like, well, they were actually on the phone with somebody else at the same time. So I guess this is something that, like, obviously being on the other the other end and being on the operational side, you, mm-hmm. you see how they work and how they function each and every day uh, in that role. Do you think that the 104 officers that you have right now have the same respect for dispatchers that you do? No. And we're trying to... We've, we try here and there to increase that one of the things that i think has been beneficial that would have been hugely beneficial to me when i first started out is in our initial 12-week field training thing with a new police officer we have them do uh instead of a ride-along we do they do a sit-along where it's like you're gonna go sit and dispatch for half a day and just be a fly on the wall and see how they work see how they and that i think has helped Younger people get a little better perspective of who they're dealing with. Because this, this isn't, we're not calling the, the medallion line on Delta Airlines here. You're calling a dispatcher who's no nonsense and has a lot of stuff going on. They're not trying to sell you anything, you know. Probably they wish you wouldn't call at the end of the day. Because they get paid the same either way. But there's, they have nothing to sell and nothing to offer other than trying to deploy the correct assets to whatever the situation is. Yeah, so like... Say twenty years ago, did you do you feel like you had that same feeling towards them? Oh no, I thought they were all obnoxious. Okay, yeah, and they yeah. thought I was too because yeah. I was. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that's fair. I mean, how do you, how are you supposed to know unless you're really like, you know, I mean, for me, it's like when I go in and I look at someone who's teching, sometimes I'm like, mm-hmm. God damn it, do your fucking job. Yeah. And then you go and you sit in for a day and you're like, oh yeah, because I have done that role before and I know how difficult it can be. And then I'm like, ah, oh, come on, have some compassion. Like, this is a tough job. Oh, absolutely. You know? Where it's like starting out, it's like, hey, you know, you almost, you look at things on a, on a tier and it's like, well, they're, they're under up. I've got a badge and a gun and I'm out on the street. Therefore I'm more important. And so you work for me kind of an idea mentality versus, uh, that same thing where, you know, that you experience where it's like, holy shit, I don't know how to do this, you know? And I feel that same way towards even my new officers where it's like, I look at the, the, the cruisers and stuff we have. And it's like, you sit down in there and it's like, there's so much crap in here and tech and everything. It's like, I don't even know my password, you know, and it's like, these guys are all over the place with stuff. And it's like, you know, all of that. And, you know, when you, these dispatchers just from the tech end, it's like, they're signed into three, four, five different, you know, here's the fire CAD system. Here's the police CAD system. Here's the E911 software. Here's, you know, the phone software. I mean, this isn't a phone. This isn't some handset that you pick up and say, hey, this is what do you want. I mean, it's, you know, they're they're wearing a headset and both of their hands are moving the whole time. Yeah, and this is from my own knowledge, but I got to know, like, what what's the timeline for someone training to do dispatch? Like, because they're not an academy, obviously. Yeah. So, so, no, very. Okay, so a police officer. So, there, like Utah, there's a certification. The... Uh, a brand new cop, we have them on field training for 12 weeks. A dispatcher, it's over six months. Okay. Because it, and that's basically, yeah, they have a, a partner handling their work with them because it is so much more technical. And I remember when I was first in this position, I was like, why does it take us so long to get these new ones on their own? But then you go poke your nose and you're like, okay, I understand. Yeah. Hmm. I never would have thought that, honestly. I, that question didn't ever even had arisen in my mind before we talked about that fact of like, here's the three different systems. Here's the, you know, 18 million different protocols mm-hmm. that you have, like figure out how to do it mm-hmm. and figure out how to do it by yourself. Yeah. It's crazy. So like it just drops into burnout. I mean, every single one of Huge them is burnout. burned out. Oh yeah. And that, that, that's the thing. That's one of the reasons we did what we did is because even the ones that, you know, so many of them were burned out, but they wouldn't quit. They wouldn't give up. They were so professional and so dedicated to what they were doing. They, I really, really felt like they were losing their, any sense of wellness because of what their job was. And I know that we, we focus all the time on, on our, on police and fire and stuff and, and right. And, and it's good and well that we do, but yeah, the dispatchers themselves have an incredibly difficult job and it never stops yeah well i mean it's it's cool in this day and age to see someone take pride in their shit though oh yeah i mean that that's the thing is you can't find if you can find for me uh a group of employees that where it's like hey i had a vac i was scheduled to go out of out of town this weekend and one of my co-workers just went into labor i just threw my vacation away because i need to cover for her you know versus i'm not doing that yeah you know and being able to call one another and be like hey 
my kid has a thing I'm going to try and squeeze in. Can you come in for a couple of hours and cover me so that I can go to my kid's baseball game? You know, so it's like rush away from work and the hectic chaos there. Enjoy the your kid's baseball game best you can and then get right back to it. Meanwhile, somebody else just made a trip in to enable you to do that. I mean, they were very, very, very dedicated to one another, not just our community, not just our police and fire departments. They were, they're all in. Yeah, and it's it's not, it has to be done in the office. Yes. There's no remote work. No, no, no. I'm guessing. No, we, we've, we dabbled a little bit with certain elements of that during COVID and it's impossible. Man, I, I mean, I can't expect them to not just be burnt out to shit. Like, I mean... I, I think about my job and I'm like, some, some days I'm like, man, I'm just burned out. Like this has been a long day or there's been a ton of calls. And then I will think like, so for me, like a day that's a lot of phone calls is anywhere from like 40 to 50. Uh, just could be a minute, could be 10 minutes or, or whatever. And I'm, I'm guessing there are days that they're three, four, five times that number for, for dispatch. Oh, absolutely. I think they float probably around six to 800 phone calls a day. Holy shit. So it's putting, it's putting my stuff into perspective. And that's that. And and so you would have a group of four or five that are fielding those calls, but they're also trying to make some kind of a disposition on that call too. You know, it's not like, sorry, we can't help you. It's okay. How do we resolve this? Yeah. Cause like when I get up into like the seventies, which is maybe in four years happened like 10 times or something like that. I like can't do anything. I get home and I'm just like, I put my phone down and I stare at the wall mm-hmm. and to know that that's a daily occurrence and the amount of stress comparatively that they are doing, um, they got a fucking tough job. Well, and I can tell you to add to that is, okay, here's, here's all of these phone calls coming, but some of those phone calls, a handful of those phone calls probably every day are people that like to, that, uh, and a lot of them, you know, may have some sort of a disability or special need. They like to call in every day and check in and and check in. Jeez. And so they have many of our dispatchers have first name basis relationships with people that like to, that get a sense of validation from calling the police every day and, and seeing what's going on and how are y'all doing in there? And, you know, and, and, and some of them it's that they want to call about, you know, Hey, you know, there's, there's a, there's a guy breaking into my neighbor's house. Well, it's a guy delivering a pizza, Yeah. you know, but, and so knowing, Hey, this is who this person is and this is kind of what their triggers are and things like that to where, yeah, they do a certain level of social work just with, you know, certain people that live within our community that they've kind of established a, a telephonic relationship with. I mean, I have a, a very good feeling that that might be the neighbor next door as one of those people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause that's, that would not shock me. Uh, yeah. Like just the other week I was, she was bitching about something and I'm like, well, I mean the chief of police of this city will be here like tomorrow to, to do some stuff. If you want to chat with them mm-hmm. knowing full well, yeah. that you know, that was never going to cross her mind, but I'm, I'm sure she called the city on me for having two cars parked in front of my house. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they told her they did a drive-by. And I, yeah. I don't think they mm-hmm. ever, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that mm-hmm. are just like the, the dispatcher knows like, okay, we'll send someone and then they just drop it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I, and 
I'm just, I'm, I never knew this much about it. And, and I guess people, like, they are the most humble group, one of the most humble groups of first responders, though. Yeah, they're very humble. They're extremely yeah. grounded. Um, yeah, they, you know, I think one thing that people could do, because, you know, we only call, and don't do it via 911, whatever the fo- non-emergency phone number is to your local police department, Sometime just for the hell of it, just call in and be like, hey, there is nothing going on right now. I hope this is the best call of your day. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we get we get people that will, you know, drop off some treats and stuff like that. And, you know, I think those things are appreciated, too. But I think a, a phone call just from, hey, how are you guys doing today? Thank you for what you're doing. You know. Hopefully this is. Hopefully I never have to call you on nine one on a nine one one line. But hey, thanks for being there tonight. You know, on a Christmas, on a Thanksgiving. Hey, they're gonna miss those holidays. You know, they're 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 sitting there, and you know, even the cops and stuff, they might be able to sneak off for a for a hello to the family and stuff like that. But no, they're 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 locked in there for you know twelve hour day yeah. for the mission. Yeah, for the mission. Yeah, which is just to take care of the the public. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are like the upticks and the fires and the upticks and the heart attacks yeah. and all that, like around the holidays, especially. Yeah. yeah. Like we did a ride along in uh, in Fort Collins a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it was, it was shocking the amount of like just straight medical calls there was compared to, because we were listening to it and just dispatching everything and like, I mean, there was a chick who swallowed a pencil on purpose. There was like six medical calls of just like somebody skinned their elbow. Yeah. Send, send, you know, EMS. Like that's the stuff they're listening to every single day. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you think about it that way too. It's like somebody, a call like that where somebody just swallowed a pencil. It's like me. I'm like, what the hell were you doing? Yeah. You know, but they're not doing it. They, you know, they're, they, they maintain their composure. They're not laughing or anything. Okay, well, where are you? And can you breathe? And all this stuff where, you know, in, in your mind as a human being, you're like, what the hell were you thinking? Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. 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 Get, like, come on. Why, why are you just wasting everyone's time with exactly. that? Was where my head went. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the person was mentally ill. Like, mm-hmm. that's the reality. Yeah. And I had to take a step back and realize that, like, come on. Austin, mm-hmm. like you work yeah. in the mental health field, you should have probably recognized yeah. that at the beginning that that's probably what was going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was what went through my head. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, yeah, why are you doing this? Who does that? You just you just mm-hmm. caused you know mm-hmm. a fire truck to spend an hour of their time helping you, mm-hmm. which she was okay, and all of those things. And they were so, oh my god, they were so professional. Mm-hmm. Like all of them, you know, even if they were thinking what I was thinking. Which, you know, was that this was ridiculous. Why are we here? They were super on it. They checked everything. They got to the right place. They did all those things. And so it it blew my mind. The professionalism yeah. portion of it, too. Like, all the way from dispatch to the fire service of just, like, another one. Here we yeah. go. Yep. Exactly. So, no, it's cool stuff to, uh, to hear kind of everything. I think... Uh, I think I want to leave the, this episode with that. Like, just talk yep. about the dispatch, the appreciation we have for them. 
um, how much they they truly do matter. I mean, you know, I, I think they get left in behind a lot of the times when we have these conversations. Um, but we want to make sure they know that yeah, they absolutely that we thank them for what they do, um, and they're more appreciated than they originally thought. They need to be. Yeah, we need to all appreciate them. Versus, if we're in the industry or if we're just a you know person in a community, we need to we need to show more appreciation for them. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Well, it was good to see you. Yeah, right. It'll be another ten days, hopefully. Yeah, I guess uh, the next episode we got a cool. We got John coming on. You've yeah. you've talked to John on the phone a couple of times. Yeah. Got a cool story. He does. Yeah, Minneapolis or St. Paul police officer. Um, lots of stuff during the riots. Yeah, got some stories to tell. We'll try and keep it PG for everybody. But good luck. I don't know if that if John's capable of that. So uh, yeah. shout out to John. Uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Thank you for listening to this segment of No One Fights Alone. No One Fights Alone is sponsored by Chateau Recovery is a 16-bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's First Responder Resiliency Program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information or to speak to a representative, go to chateaurecovery.com or call 888-507-5031. No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First Responder Trauma Counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour all-badges, all-uniforms, and all-scrubs educational experience helps to create caring, honest, and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent, licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-2224-19-3. This could be the most life-changing academy you'll ever attend.